I'm John Hall. Welcome to Drink Beer, Think Beer, the podcast that gets to the bottom of every pint. We're going to go out west this week to Jackson Hole, Wyoming, and talk with Max Schaefer. He's the head brewer at Roadhouse Brewing Company. And from finding out what works with locals and tourists alike, as well as adventures and avenues he wants to explore, we're going to get into it all. But first, I'm thrilled to tell you that Jack's Abbey is a sponsor of this episode. And joining me on the line is Jack Hendler. He's the co-owner of the brewery in Massachusetts. And we're talking about a new program he started called Loggers of the World. Jack, you're kicking this off with Brazil, and that beer is available now. Can you tell us about the inspiration and how it all came together? So the Brazil Lager is a collaboration with Brewery Avos, which is from Sao Paulo, Brazil. And this brewery is another craft brewery that really only focuses on lager beer, which we thought was a great partnership considering our focus on lagers as well. Uh, We both brew um, a whole lineup of lagers, but something we wanted to do is really bring some of the Brazilian inspiration back here to, to Framingham. And so what we did was we worked on some ingredients and some processes that really helped to bring those flavor profiles to uh, to this beer. And it includes three fruits, pineapple, guava, and passion fruit, as well as corn. And we also did a mild acidification on this beer to help with some of the re- refreshing aspects of it. So it's a very uh, fruity, lightly tart, really refreshing, lighter style beer. And I don't mean light as in uh, calories, yeah. but light as in it's a bright, refreshing, uh, thirst-quenching beer that's ideal for warmer warmer climates. That's great. Well, we're going to learn more about this beer and the whole Loggers of the World program later on in this show. But for now, I'm going to invite you to check out jacksavvy.com to learn more about this beer, as well as all of their other lagers. And my thanks again, Jack, to you and for the brewery for supporting this episode of the podcast. This episode is also brought to you by Bolide Communications. Do you have the right messages in place to make your brewery stand out in a crowded field? Are you executing with trusted partners who know the beer industry? Are you receiving the right counsel? Bolide Communications is a creative and strategic marketing agency with decades of experience working with some of the biggest names in beer and consumer products. Bolide Communications offers a wide range of marketing services to satisfied customers, including positioning, sales collateral and POS, branding, website design, public relations, and social media. Talk with Bolide Communications today on how they can get your brewery and beer to stand out to audiences that matter. Visit them online at bolidecommunications.com or call 973-975-3037. You already make great beer. Let Bolide Communications help with the rest. And be sure to check out beeredge.com for articles, to subscribe to the newsletter, and to get episodes of the Beer Edge podcast with Andy Crouch. We're also on social media at The Beer Edge. And we've expanded our This Week in Roush Beer offerings. Not only do we have the Facebook group, but now we have Twitter and Instagram accounts. Get Roushy with us at TW Roush Beer. We'll see you there. I'm excited to have Max Schaefer on the show today. In my line of work, there are breweries that pop up from time to time that make a serious impression in the glass, and then, when you dig a little deeper, also have a cool story to tell. That's Roadhouse Brewing for me these days. The brewery began popping up on tastings and in social media and in my email. And the more I read about it and the more I tasted, the more interested I became. 
Max is the head brewer there, and he's leading a team that is trying to balance the needs of locals as well as the tourists that flock to his town while trying to experience the great outdoors. He's familiar with the area, having cut his teeth at Grand Teton Brewing in Idaho, just a short drive away. And whether it's brewing with local hops, tweaking recipes to make things a little better, or letting his brewers go wild, the beer work of this growing brewery is never-ending. He spoke to me from behind the wheel of his vehicle, using Bluetooth, of course, because, he said, the brewery itself is pretty noisy. Here's our conversation. Is there something in one of your fermenters at the brewery right now that you're really jazzed about putting in front of people? Um, yeah, we, um, I've got a couple, I got a couple beers that I'm, I'm pretty amped up about at the moment. Um, at our production facility, um, we're coming into, um, uh, the spring season where we do a, a collab, um, with Maui Brewing Company that's got a really great, it's a really fun, sessionable, hazy pale ale. Um, that's, right. that's just a really fun. Garrett Marrero was just out there last week, two weeks ago. He was, he was, we had a good time with him. We, we brewed some of the first production batches of the season with him. And um, that's been a really fun kind of collaboration where we were trying to take, um, you know, the, the, the gifts of the islands. Um, so we landed on some, some passion fruit, some really nice fresh fruit that, that team has access to and um, and then our connection in the with with a lot of the hop growers and, and kind of stuff in the hop uh, in the hop world um, so we kind of married those two things that the, the breweries offer and Garrett and one of our owners and founders uh, Colby Cox they've they've been buddies for quite some time so um, I was gonna I was gonna really ask fun. how the how the relationship worked because Wyoming and you know Jackson and 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 Maui are pretty far apart quite far and, and, and quite different you know we uh all the roads into jackson this morning were closed because of this amazing snowstorm that came through and and i know every time i uh, i talk to get, talk to garrett it's just uh you know another day in, in hawaii so quite different but uh um, colby one of um as i mentioned one of our owners and founders he uh he does a lot with the brewers association um and has sat on some of the boards um and subcommittees with the ba so he got to meet garrett through through the BA and, and the happenings there. Um, so from our production facility, I'm, I'm pretty pumped to get into that beer uh, coming up. And, um, and then we have a little, our little brew pub on uh, the town square in Jackson, which is a little five barrel system. And uh, one of my brewers uh, brewed a, a beer that he has been joking is called heinous IPA. It's got lactose and vanilla beans and uh, uses Sabro and Idaho seven Nelson. It's got 16 gallons of fruit per barrel in it it's just this crazy beer and uh, it's a it was a kettle sour as well and i remember when he approached me he was like i can do whatever i want here right and he's like yep like we're you don't have to brew ipa and and cream ale and you know this is this is where you can let loose and he was like all right and i remember when he slipped me the recipe and he was like i was like oh god man <laughs> this is gonna be this is gonna be something we're gonna really shake wyoming with with this beer so i'm pretty excited to see how that one turns out and uh, get that on draft later this week is is there a chance that you know you would all taste it and be like yeah we're not gonna do that like if you get a recipe that's nine pages long which is what that just sounded like to me <laughs> yeah we you know there there's been a couple, a couple beers that we've uh, chosen not to put on draft uh, up at that location, just getting a little too eclectic, a uh, little too out there. Um, but we certainly chalk it up to, to learning. Um, I, 
I have a feeling what we'll learn about this this tart IPA with all those adjuncts in it. I, I have a good idea what we're going to learn from it. Um, but I, I think people are going to are really going to enjoy it. But I don't see a, a future for it beyond five barrels at a time. <laughs> when when you say shake Wyoming with something like that, it's been a while since I've been in your state, and obviously, you know, I haven't gone anywhere in the last year. But there are some states that are somewhat adventurous and I, I i would think just to the south of you uh that would be one of them uh but th- you know there's other states where it's still pretty even keeled and you know no fuss no muss kind of thing where, overall where do you think wyoming is in terms of beer drinker experimentation or you know craft acceptance compared with the rest of the country that you've been able to ascertain yeah you know we've um wyoming is is well first is way more cows than there are people in the state of wyoming and you can drive for hours and hours without coming across much more than a gas station that you're not even sure if the gas pump still works you know it's it's a pretty still pretty remote and you know the wild west um in terms of breweries i think we only have about 26 breweries in the entire state um and i you know my wife's from denver and and so we we spend a lot of time down in the front range and i feel like i can pass you know upwards of 30 breweries in just a simple walk around town um so you know we're we're in this entire state um that only has that many and and just as of late we even actually combined or we're working on trying to combine our brewer and distiller uh, distiller guild together just for more more power because there's so few of us um, when I look at kind of, you know, what we're doing in the state of Wyoming, it's something that we've, we've really pushed, um, as a company, as, as roadhouse is, is we're really trying to take this opportunity to, to show the state that there's a lot more than just, you know, your big, um, uh, you know, macro loggers. Um, and so we've really pushed that and try and show people like craft and, and what that, what our craft can do, you know, from not only a you know job perspective and maybe in the town of Jackson, where we, we do employ a fair amount of people, both in our production facility and also our restaurant, but, um, also just what that can do, um, you know, to, to small bars and towns and getting these locally made and Wyoming made products into the bar, um, still our number one product that we put out in the state of Wyoming is our, is our cream ale uh, called family vacation, which resonates with, I think, tourists that come through here uh, more than maybe the locals. Um, we, it's got a, a VW bus on it loaded to the top uh, with suitcases and <laughs> yeah. strapped down. So you, we get, we get millions, literally millions of people who come to the town of Jackson every summer uh, to see Yellowstone and Grand Teton. And so people, I think just the tourists are pulling that beer more than anything, but that still is our, it's our plain, it's our yellow, it's our gateway beer. Um, when I see people in our, our restaurant on the square in Jackson ordering it, or, you know, maybe they're ordering one of the large light lagers we have on, on tap or excuse me, in a bottle. Um, I push them towards that. I'm like, Hey, you should try, try this. It's, it's why we brew it. It's just a nice everyday drinking beer. Um, so then when I think about a beer like this lactose vanilla IPA, <laughs> that's like, also soured. Yeah. 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 It's also soured. Exactly. <laughs> It's going from zero to 60 really, really quick uh, for someone. Um, but, you know, I think we're making good strides and there's a bunch of other good breweries um, in, in the area. You know, we've got a, we got a handful here in Jackson, um, Snake River and, and Melvin are both here. So we've, um, you know, most of the brewing production is coming out of the town of Jackson um, for the entire state of Wyoming. There's a couple larger ones 
um, peppered throughout throughout the state. Um, but we're we're really trying to, you know, push the push push craft into people's into people's laps, you know, and, and show them that an IPA doesn't need to be this this old this really bitter and, and caramely or sweet type, you know, maybe a IPA of the past. Like we can present people with beers that have really nice delicate fruit and tropical aromas um things like that is it because you mentioned the the tourism industry and with how many people come through combining with the distilleries as well and you know just just thinking about the population size of, of of your state minus the tourists with without all of those people coming through how different do you think would the beer industry would be in your state? I think it'd be, I think it'd be very different. Like, could it exist? A, um, I think it, ooh, eh, I think that, I mean, that's tough. Um, I look at some of these towns. Um, I do a lot of fly fishing and Wyoming is a great state to fly fish in. And I, yep. I drive around the state in the summer to fish and um, roll into really small towns um, that certainly do not see the number of people that the town of Jackson does. And, and they have their own little brewery there. Um, and, and it's really a little brewery. You know, some of these towns have little, you know, one barrel systems or you know, maybe a three barrel system in it. And, and people are proud to, you know, that they're, it's their neighbor or uh, it's their, it's their cousin who, you know, and they've got the local brewery going on. And, but that's the only place you can, you can get that beer. And, and right. more often than and not, they're making roll 300 in. barrels of beer a year, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Ex- exactly. You know, and sometimes they, their bar has more guest taps on it than than their own so um you know you've got that kind of situation but then i look at where where we're at in jackson with our restaurant and how busy it is and just right there on the square and those are those are those are tourists showing up and those are we see a lot of people from out of town who are who are coming in to uh to enjoy our beer and, and have a have a meal and um, a lot of suitcases rolling down uh, the uh, the restaurant after people are getting off of the plane. You know, most most of land at noon, so we get a pretty good lunch rush with a lot of people fresh off a of plane coming from wherever um, to have a beer and, and a burger before they check into their hotel. But I don't think it could really. <laughs> you do can always tell when the day's plane has landed. Is that uh, <laughs> yeah? Yeah, exactly. You, you can just Sorry, that was that was that was an incredibly rude, snobbish East Coast. <laughs> Yeah, three major international airports within spitting distance of where I live. That was that was a really rude slight to your uh, perfectly lovely uh, town and 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 your runway. So I, I I recognized that as I was saying it, and I'm trying to be a better person. So I'm sorry for I'm, oh, no. I'm sorry for that. Yeah, we certainly do have a we you know we we've got a love hate relationship with the with the Jackson Airport. That that's for sure. So, but it's uh, it's certainly while we're all here, and I, I look at that every day, and I've thought about it. Um, as of late, too, you know, we're we're able to keep doing our job and and keep our our employees employed and and brewing beer more, you know, in a quicker clip than we ever have because we've got people coming here to ski and be outside and take advantage of of what the open space here has. So um, it, it's certainly a love hate relationship. I think about that pretty regularly. The it sounds like the pandemic hasn't really slowed you all down. No, the pandemic hasn't. Um, we've been we've been, we've been pretty full on, you know, we were, I think like most, we were, you know, in March and April, um, back in, in 2020, we, you know, we, we told some folks like to stay home. You can, you know, our office, our management team, we're like, let's just, let's really get a handle on this, see what we can do um, see what it's going to be about. Um, I know personally, I was, I was working from home for quite some time, um, and, and just trying to reduce that traffic in the brewery, but then summer came and, 
it it, it looked like any normal summer here in town and we were we were full steam ahead um you know the only noticeable difference is we weren't running kegs through our keg line we were we were filling them you know off bright tanks just a couple at a time just to keep orders happy because you know people weren't ordering pallets of kegs like they normally were we were getting one or two here and there but canning we, we really went full steam with canning and that had been ramping up for you guys for for a while anyway it had it certainly had um so we, we opened our production facility in um june of 2017 we started we started brewing our first batches in, in the production facility we went from a seven barrel to a 30 barrel um and so we started brewing there late june and um and since then it's just been up and up um, and posting some really big um you know good growth numbers year over year um and then you know certainly got a little worried this year when we can secure cans and that was our key to our growth but um we have some great people that work uh, for roadhouse and we got a bunch of we got a bunch of cans and we were able to keep keep cranking so we we saw some great growth still and we're very lucky we're very fortunate and we all know how um how it's going out in the industry for some other folks and yeah and uh, we're, we're quite we're quite pleased with our with ourselves and our team and, and everything that happened in the last year are there beers that pre-pandemic we're doing gangbusters for you all on draft that haven't translated into into cans um yeah i you know we've you know actually honestly i can't i can't think of any that you know the translation didn't just kind of uh flip over um it seems as though you know and um, what happened was a lot of our really good draft accounts just ended up buying cases of cans instead. So they weren't left sitting with, you know, a half barrel of our IPA that they tapped two days before they were told they had to close. So we, you know, a lot of the restaurants and the bars in Jackson really in, in the ski mountain have been really smart about how they've been ordering. So we've just kind of seen just the switch over where people, you know, we're just seeing the can, um, in the case equivalent off of a keg, um, Wow. Nothing really has been, nothing really has been hurting too much. Um, and also too, it's helped because, um, Teton village, Jackson, um, the ski resort here in Jackson, um, has some, has some really nice, you can walk around the base with a beer. Um, so they've kind of had these little pop-up bars and, and whatnot. So there's a lot more can traffic out there, people sitting outside, um, sitting in the common spaces out there with a can of our beer, rather than going into some of the really hot spots for opera because there's maybe, you know, five tables in it now or, People yeah. just don't want to go into a crowded <laughs> opera spot after a long day on the slope. So um, we've just seen that translate over right into cans, which has been which has been awesome. More with Max Schaefer in a moment. This episode is sponsored by the good folks at Jack's Abbey Craft Loggers, creators of the new Loggers of the World series. It's the result of a desire to expand their knowledge of loggers beyond their own community culture and traditions to kick off this globe trekking beer series the brewery once again joined forces with brewery avos of sao paulo brewed with ingredients and flavors native to brazil it's available now and i invite you to visit jacksabby.com to learn more we're also brought to you by Bolide Communications, a creative and strategic marketing consultancy with decades of experience working with some of the biggest names in beer and consumer products. Talk with Bolide Communications today on how they can get your brewery and beer to stand out to audiences that matter. Visit them online at bolidecommunications.com or call 973-975-3037. And now we're back with Max Schaefer head brewer of Roadhouse Brewery in Jackson Hole, Wyoming. Have you seen 
consumer drinking habits change or people flocking to different styles that you're making or, you know, like is cream ale taking off a little bit more uh, with folks during the pandemic or not or less or we've um we have seen people's uh drinking habits uh change certainly we we for a while there we were offering kind of like a like a phone-in order system out of our tap room at our production brewery um where people could order cases of beer or you know there's there's a, a pretty decent home kegerator uh crowd here in jackson and um so people would order their six barrel of something and and tack on a couple cases and, and i i distinctly remember this one gentleman who who's a local at our bar for a while and he always drinks our our flagship ipa and and he walked in and he ordered he he, he bought a case and he's like, yeah, he's like, case. He's like, well, I'll see you guys in a couple of weeks. Like this should last me. And I don't even, I think we saw him two days later and he was like, wow. He's like, I'm really, I, that went quick. And we're like, okay, <laughs> this was, uh, we all got a good chuckle sitting there. I was like, man, that was pretty, pretty solid. Um, we have seen, uh, we do, we produce a, a Pilsner, um, a really lovely Pilsner that one of one of my brewers is always jokes with me we we talk about that beer more than any of our other beers like how are we going to tweak it this time what are we going to are we going to bump up the BUs this time and we love this beer and you know i think it's the story of most brewers we spend a ton of time on on our beer like our true loves and my true love is a pilsner and is that highwayman it is highwayman yeah okay. highwayman um uh we recently rebranded that as in in the in the lower calorie uh, game. We wanted to see how that was going right at the beginning of it. And, and we've seen a, a pretty decent little bit of traction from Highwayman. Um, we switched it over to a six pack. It wasn't a four pack. It's a 16 ounce can as well. Um, and that's a big you know, 16 ounce uh, six pack is a big, is a big package here in Jackson with some of the larger players, some of the, the more, you know, the your macro loggers um, uh, really commanding that market in the ski town. So we try to compete with that and we saw, we've seen a, a pretty decent little pickup on that one as well. Um, and I think people are becoming more aware of the alcohol. We make a lot of high octane beers. A lot of our, yeah. our IPA is seven and a half. Our, our next, uh, our fastest growing skew is our hazy IPA, the walrus, which is 8.2%. Um, we saw a lot of people being like, I'm going to get one four pack of hazy IPA. And I'm going to get a couple six packs of the, of the Pilsner because I'm going to sit at home and I can have a couple of those as opposed to my usual handful of walrus. <laughs> when you're talking to your brewers though, you just said something that, that I find really fascinating that you're, that you're always trying to figure out how to, how to tweak it, how to change it, you know, how to, you know, bump up BUs or, you know, drop them down or, you know, h however you're, 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 you're doing it. H how often are you changing recipes or tweaking something batch to batch we there's a couple a handful most of our beers are, are very very stable um uh in their recipes um one thing that i really believe in is brewing to is bring to the flavor profile and so we we spent some time trying to figure out what those flavor profiles of each of our beers are mainly our, our hoppier beers um you know so if something was really peach forward you know how do we make sure it stays that way as opposed to kind of trending more towards you know citrusy orange side of things so we um crappier to crappier were you know obviously with our hops and, and going through selections um we were lucky enough to be able to do a little bit of a selection uh this year um in the midst of the pandemic so we were able to really hone back in on some of those 
flavor profiles we're looking for. Um, so those will change. Our, our, our dry hops will change and, and our IPAs year to year, depending on crops and our selection. Um, some of our, our more delicate beers, like Highwayman, the Pilsner, um, we, you know, we're brewing maybe 90, maybe 120 barrels that a month. Um, the least it's our lowest volume beer. Um, and so we really feel like we've got an opportunity to, to make a small tweak at it every once in a while and, and, and not throw our, our consumer completely off. So, um, and that's one of the beauties of our little five barrel is we do, we're constantly playing up there and, and hopefully we can get that information we have off the five barrel system and can translate it back over to the, the production plants. Um, so, I mean, I, I, I had Vinny Trillerzo on the show, um, uh, a couple weeks ago, we were talking about um, when he's making incremental changes to the beer. And, you know, sometimes it's just the thought that occurs to him or, you know, other times it's just something that he, you know, is just sort of nagging at him or, you know, or, or whatever. As, as you're thinking about making changes you know, from, from you know, your brewer mind, what, what starts to trigger a change? What, what starts to, to get that inspiration going or that thought process going? Something that I, I believe in my in my brewing career and and I've had I've had staff at previous breweries and and even folks I work with now who have who have noticed this about me but I I prefer to I drink through our beers before I, I recircle back on one of them so I like to work down our our draft list or you know our, our can our employee can allocations you know I'll, I'll drink our hazy IPA you know, one day, but I won't come back to that until I've worked through our whole portfolio um, just to really keep my, my palate fresh and like understanding what's happening with the beers. And there's a couple of our beers that um, every time I come back to them, I, I can kind of pick up like, you know, little things on it. Um, the walrus is, is a great example. Our, our hazy IPA that mm -hmm. it's got some tangerine and some peach in it from, it's got the aseptic puree, um, which was something that I really struggled with for a while. And that's one of the things so? that I'm constant. Uh, I just, <laughs> I didn't want to be pigeonholed as, as making just fruited hazy IPAs. <laughs> I wanted to like, really, I mean, you I, know, and I have nothing. That, that's so weird. There are brewers who are listening to the show right now being like, you don't? <laughs> I mean, coming back to, you know, Highwayman, like I got Highwayman on draft in my house all the time. I just want a good, clean, sure. you know, or I'll, I'll pull our, I'll pull our IPA Wilson, um, which is just a classic Citra, uh, Simcoe. And, and we're pulling some Chinook from Idaho into that. And it's just a great, clean, crisp IPA. And the walrus is fantastic, but I'm always like, I'm always looking at that fruit and I'm like, oh, like, is it too much fruit? Is it too sweet? Do we need to drop the mash temp and try and make that a little more balanced? And, um, you know, and I think that's the word that I, I use all the time is, is balanced. Like, how do I, how do I balance our beer? You know, like I always, I want someone to grab one of our beers and, and, and grab another one of the same brand. Um, and if they don't and they grab another one, they still get that balance there. So I'm always looking and tasting through our products just to see if, if, if I can point something out in there that, you know, it's, it's out of balance for me. Okay, but can can you sort of describe what balance means for you? Because when I first came up, it was a balance between hops and malt, and water and yeast weren't even considered in the whole thing. But it was, you know, is there, you know, a little bitterness and a little sweetness, and are they complementary to each other? And that's such a weird thing to even think about today, because there's whole generations of of beer drinkers that don't drink 
hops that have bitterness. Um, you know, it's all, you know, DDH and whatever. So, um, or, you know, lactose, milkshake, sour, uh, aseptic fruit puree. Um, what, what is balance for you in, in your brewer mind? Yeah, I, I'll circle back to the, you know, quite, you know what you brought up about tweaking recipes a little bit. And, and Highwayman sure. is that great is a great example because that's a beer for me that I'm always looking for balance in. Like, you know, it's a four percent, you know, pretty traditional pilsner. Um, and what we're always looking for there is is you know is it a, I'm looking for a little bit of bitterness, a little bit of that sweetness, just as you said. Um, and and I, I look for a little bit of depth in it too. You know, I, I, I use the word flabby a lot in our, in, when describing some of our beers. Sometimes. Yeah. sometimes it's like, ah, like it's just, it, you know, it either completely dissipated like immediately or it lingered a little bit too long or, or it just, just didn't, it just, it just wasn't there. Um, and so with, with our Pilsner, like, I'm always looking like, I want a little bit of that malt backbone. I want a little bit of that beautiful, uh, sweetness that comes from, you know, we, we use a little bit of Vienna malt in it just for a little color in the cheeks and then throw in a little bit of uh, uh, high alpha hop in, in our bittering. It's the only beer we use a bittering addition in, but I like it because that 60 minute addition really gives it that balance that makes me want another. Like I, I pick, I, I, I take a sip and before I put the can down, it's like, oh man, I, I'm just going to, I'm going to get another sip of that before I put it down. And that's the same. I feel for our IPA Wilson. I, it's got this amazing hop flavor. It's not bitter. It's got great aroma. It's got flavor. So those two really balance for me. Um, and the malt in there is, is just fantastic. It's a little bit higher mash temp and they balance each other and, and it drinks. It, it's that drinkability. I mean, balance and drinkability, I know are, it's like just the classic buzzwords. For yeah. Brewer, I mean, but, they're, they're, you know, they're marketing terms, but there, but there's something when I talk to brewers, there's something behind it. Like, you know, your PR department's going to try to sell me on drinkability, but I want to hear, you know, what that means for the brewer because there are tangibles there. Right. Right. Um, you know, I think, I think the word balance is slides on the scale as, you know, year to year as, as our consumers are you know, changing their minds about what they like in their beer. Um, and right now for me with Wilson is, um, I get people who sit at the bar at our restaurant and say, I don't like IPAs. I'm like, okay, let me pour, let me just pour you one or two. And I think you'll really, really enjoy it. And one that gets people every time I see it at beer festivals too. And, and I pour some, a little pour of Wilson and they're like, wow, like, I didn't know, like, this is what IPA could do. Like it's, you know, I get this amazing fruit flavor and I get this great, great aroma. And it just, it reminds me of, a, you know, of peaches and it's not bitter, you know, that's what I expected. It's not bitter. Um, it's like, exactly. You know, and I see him just sitting there sipping pretty quickly on a little five ounce pour of it. And before I know it, I'm, I've poured them another 16 ounce pint and they're pretty content. Um, and so it's just that ability to, to just constantly pick up the glass and, and, and take a sip and enjoy each one over and over, um, without overwhelming one component of, of our, of our consumers palate or sensory overload or, or anything like that. On the whole hop front, um, and I know Idaho is is literally next door to where you guys are, um, uh, and the the border is actually not that far, uh, but the hop farms are pretty much on the other side of the state, right? Yeah, they are. They're out in the yeah western part of Idaho, um, out in Parma and, and Wilder. It's just a little outside of Boise, right on the Snake River Plain out there. Yeah, um, but and, but is there is it. I mean, given a huge expanse of space, but, you know, 
also just it being your neighbor. Like, is there is there a preference that you have for Idaho hops over maybe ones that come from Washington and Oregon or other states? Definitely, I would say definitely. I um, so I actually I actually live just to complete that for you. I mean, the Idaho border is is the Teton Mountain Range. Yeah. Um, and I live on the other side of of the Tetons, um, because Jackson is in a is in a spot right now where um, not not much of our workforce can afford to live here in Teton County. Um, so I live over in the Idaho side and have for about ten years now, and um, I've just fallen in love with the hops coming out of out of Idaho. Um, we have a great relationship over there with people and um, with with a bunch of the growers and um, Mill ninety five, which is one of the dealer processors, new pellet mill out there. Yep. Um, and, and so I think there's that relationship too, for me that I've really, um, really fallen in love with, um, in, in having, um, and also too, uh, the quality of hops coming out of Idaho right now are phenomenal. Um, and we certainly buy hops from Oregon and Washington. Yeah. Um, and I, I, no I mean, I'd be it. surprised it's... if you didn't, but yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, but I just, I, I mean, I think it was about two years ago, I was, um, walking through, um, uh, Diane Gooding's bale warehouse. And she, she was like, Hey, you should smell this and pulled me a little, little sample out of this bale. And I was with, um, two of my other brewers and we were like, wow, this is, this is amazing. Like, what, like, what is this? You know? And, you know, guessing all the, you know, the hot ones I'm like, this has got to be Citra. And one of my guys like, it's gotta be mosaic. Like, this is just the most incredible aromatic hop ever. And she's like, no, these are Chinooks. And it's like, what? <laughs> like, Oh my God, like Chinook. Like, I didn't know Chinook could do this. And, I think the the passion behind the families and the folks growing hops in, in Idaho right now is is really translating into that product. And we we try and pull as much um, Idaho hop as we can right now. In fact, we one of our rotating hazy IPA series called Mountain Jam um, Volume Six is out right now, and it's got hops exclusively from Idaho. Um, and then a hop uh, from the Hop Research Council, which we're a member of, uh, an experimental varietal. Um, and I just wanted to show that we can use Cascade, Centennial, and Chinook in a beer and blow people's minds. And it's all these beautiful hops coming out of Idaho. And it is taking, this beer is doing some, some really cool stuff for us. And, and we're reading about it and people are loving it. So um, I do have a, a love for the Idaho side. That might also be because I, I live in Idaho and I'm pretty proud to be over there, but um, there's just some great quality stuff coming out of Idaho. What, what are you looking for in hops? You know, I, there's a lot of experimentation coming out these days. There's a lot of, um, you know, the growers are talking with brewers more and more saying, you know, what are you looking for? Um, you know, what can we potentially give you that you'd be interested in spending a lot of money on? Um, what is it for you? What, what, what would you love to, to get aroma wise, taste wise out of hops that you haven't been able to, to fully grasp yet? Yeah, I, I think I'm still looking maybe for the, like the actual words, um, you know, the actual flavor and aroma descriptors, but I, you know, one thing we're, we're, we're really involved in this one new hop. Um, uh, it's got some, you know, crazy number, but it, the last three digits are 074. It's this, it's this hop that, uh, Dr. Henning is, is, is working on and, um, we're sponsoring some of that growth, um, some acreage this year. And it's, it's the hop that's in mountain jam right now. And, um, I remember when we got it, um, 
when the Hop Research Council sent us out all the members, all of our the new cuts for this year in, in pellets, and I was smelling it. I was like, this is like there's something different about this, but it still has this amazing tropical and, and great citrus flavor. You know, all those buzzwords that we yeah. look for when when we're looking for big IPA pale you know hops um but what i when i looked at the lineage of it it's it's got some old school hops in it and it's it's cool how you know we use a lot of citra we use a lot of mosaic we use a ton of eldorado we use all those really new school hops and it's been really cool to kind of see the consumer palette shift a little bit too like it's almost like we're getting fatigued i've seen that in our restaurant like people are like oh i love citra beer but wow, I actually drank like three of those beers. And it's like, wow, that, that's just got like, you know, nugget and centennial in it. And <laughs> people are like really going back to that. Like their palates are almost craving this, you know, the the flavors of, of 10, 15 years ago or so. Um, so that's something that I've been really excited to see is is these hops that are, are coming from kind of, you know, I guess heritage hops, we'll call them heritage varietals. Yeah. Um, because it's providing a whole new flavor to that, that, you know, we've been missing. I know at least in our portfolio at Roadhouse um, and it's why we've been so drawn to it. Um, I think more from an analytical and like technical standpoint, we love, we love oils. I love really high oils in our hops. Um, we, we, we run um, a hop gun, a big, the way we dry hop our beers. Um, so we, you know, we're able to recirculate our, our production tanks through a, a very large contained unit. It's pretty, it's made by Browcon and, and you know, can fit 300 or 400 pounds of pellets into this thing. And we have Yikes. to build a deck around it. And it's absolutely insane. And, and it's helped us to reduce some, you know, usage, which is, which is fantastic, but um, not the point of it. It's uh, <laughs> it just, what it does is just pulls out such great flavor and aroma. And we've seen that with, with higher oils. Um, I've seen that as our crops have shifted too. like, if we get a bigger oil hop in there, it just, the way the pellets get broken up and fully immersed into the beer is, uh, is just absolutely fantastic. So um, that's one thing we, we certainly look for is some of those higher oil contents. Is there a style that you've been itching to make that you haven't had the chance to yet? <laughs> I've been on a, uh, I've been on a, a pretty uh, brewing classic styles kick. <laughs> recently um we brewed uh i had never brewed an, an esb or some of those you know traditional yeah. uh, pub beers in the uk um it still blows my mind how many people want an amber um or a beer of an amber variety and um so we we try and keep something like that on without going like true just like american amber ale so we brewed an english uh, an esb and excel bitter and it was delicious um that was a really fun project um i i brewed a an irish red with one of our our pub staff um yesterday just to do something a little bit different um so i've been brewing a lot of a lot of traditional styles um we do have a lot of belgian roots um within our within our love for beer at roadhouse so we i love brewing saison and i've been brewing a lot of mixed culture beers as our pub hasn't been as busy since it's about 50 or 60 percent capacity we're not turning five barrel batches of beer in, in a week or 10 days yeah. um you know i can i can sit back and do some pretty funky mixed culture stuff in, in those little tanks so that's been pretty fun too and um but there isn't necessarily a like a true style that I'm like I'm I'm Jones and Jones and the brew right now. I'm I'm pretty lucky that if I if I if I get an itch, I can scratch it pretty quick in, in volumes of five barrels or less. <laughs> uh so I'm often slow on uh on, on picking up on, on cues, but um 
I had some of your beer here at the house uh, a while back, and I had a cousin who was over and was looking at uh, at, at the various cans, uh, and he started uh, picking out uh, uh, song references or band references um, from <laughs> from your beer names, um, and I'm imagining that he was correct because he's pretty smart musically. Um, was he? Are, are a lot he, of your beers was. named after? Okay. <laughs> Uh, is that something that's in your marketing material that I just like totally blew past or is this just for people who are paying attention? (laughs) Uh, uh, yeah, that's a great, I mean, I think it's, I think you gotta be in the know to a certain extent uh, on some things. We, we, the walrus is a pretty easy one, you know, inside of the can, you know, it's, it's got that, but we, we've got a deep love for music at Roadhouse. Um, I I think, I think it was a fish reference that he, it was. Okay. Yeah. Which (laughs) again, I wouldn't. Yeah. It absolutely was a fish reference. Almost all of our, all of our beers have some sort of reference uh, to fish in some way. Okay. Uh, some of them are pretty, pretty deep tracks. Um, and uh, one of uh, one of our co-owners and founders is, is a big, big fish guy. And uh, some folks who worked for the company for a long time back when it was getting started in 2012 were, were big fish folks. And um, you know, I remember my first, my first full year in 2017, they, the whole brewery. I, well, I walked up my first day, my first full day, and, and uh, I was like, "What's up with the name of our beers?" Like, I, I'm just curious. You know, I'm getting an orientation from our director of sales, who's a very dear friend and a and a, and a very very avid and, and big fish fan. And I was like, "What's up with this?" And he's like, "Do you like fish?" And I was like, "Oh, dude, I love to fish. Like, I live here to fish, to fly fish. Like, that's why I'm here." <laughs> and he was like uh no no no. it's okay never mind never mind so i'm not a big you know fish uh band kind of guy um we listen to it a lot and i've gotten to really understand it a lot more but um you know later that summer the entire brewery closed because everyone went down to uh to fish uh in denver um for three days and i was like oh wow everyone's gone like where's everyone going and it just was i was clueless because i that's not my not my thing but uh some of them are really really deep deep tracks uh you really got to know um uh some uh, you've had to be around fish for a long time to really pick up on i think a lot of the things that go on those cans okay Uh, but yeah (laughs) well i guess it's a good thing that you guys aren't in the new york city area when they uh, take over madison square garden for uh, all of new year's week because you know if you guys shut down for three days when they're in denver (laughs) uh yeah. The... One year we uh, one year we ran rotations where we, it was it, it was quite akin to uh, you know who gets to go to GABF. It was like well, you can go to these two nights and you got to come back and you're going to fly out for these two nights and it's it's this whole wheeling and dealing like who's gonna you know who's gonna be able to go when and um, but it, it always works out for folks and and I'm usually the one left because I'm not flying to Madison Square Garden. <laughs> Fish I don't know a lot about. Fly fishing I also don't know a lot about. But uh, but my good friend Nate Schweber, who who also does the music for for this show, uh, wrote a book. Uh, he grew up in Montana and he wrote a book called uh, Fly Fishing Yellowstone. And he's a he's a he's a you know a, a big angler and loves uh, lo- loves fly fishing. And I, I'm wondering if there are correlations in your mind between him. You know, the beer and music experience and the beer and fishing experience. Yeah, that big time. Um, you know, we're, we're, it's, 
so much of our beer and, and the way I like to brew our beer and, and design recipes for new products, um, I certainly have kind of the outdoor experience in mind. You know, we, we it's why we're in cans. Um, everyone at the brewery does something outside. We all ski or, or mountains bike or we, you know, there's, I can't tell you how many rafts and drift boats are owned uh, collectively within the company. And we all are spending times on the river just being outside. It's, it's so much of why we live here um, and, and live in, in the Tetons. Um, we have this huge playground at our disposal and, and it's great to have a beer in hand with it. Um, you know, two of our, our products flip seasonally based on uh, and the branding also flips with them to you know, correlate with, with the season where we have. So our, we're currently in, in loose boots, which is our opera IPA nice little session IPA at 5% and delicious. And, you know, there's some ski boots on the, on the, the front of that. And we, uh, we kind of do that in like a little bit of a collaboration with a local um, apparel company here in Jackson called Skio. Um, and, you know, so we're really partnering that and to push that outdoor, life, uh, outdoor lifestyle with, with that beer, you know, and uh, when people ask me, you know, like, what, what, like, what's up with loose boots? And it's like, Oh, you ever, you ever skied powder for the whole day and then got into the truck and, you just pull the tongue off your boot and it's oh, just like that loose boots feeling. And you have a beer that's, you know, got that delicious, you know, pop from Citra and just aromatic and tasty. And, you know, so we designed a beer for that kind of feeling. And, and then in the summer, we've got another beer called Trout Whistle, um, which is our, our pale ale and, and yeah. in a very similar vein. You know, it's, it, it started off as a, as a pretty, you know, high octane American pale ale, you know, mid sixes. And, and we pulled that back down to about 5%, just, you know, I, I spend a lot of time in the sun fishing and drinking a couple six and a half percent pale ales catches up to you in, in the oh, sun, yeah. you know, just sitting in a boat. So um, we certainly think about that beer and, and the flavor profile in, in that one as well, just to make it super crushable and, and drinkable in, in, a, in a boat or at the trailhead after a great mountain bike ride or, or something like that. So, um, you know, we, we certainly keep that outdoor or outdoor pursuit in mind when, when working on our products. I love it. I think that's such a cool, the idea of drinking seasonally, like I know seasons are like big business and, you know, like we see varietal packs and we see, you know, certain things that, that sort of, you know, touch upon the season, but to sort of drill it down to those experiences, I, I, I like that so much more, you know, cause it, it actually sort of means something as opposed to just sort of like a forced, you know, four month window kind of thing um i dig that that's really cool yeah it's um you know the and, and i think too and you know something i i love with with beer and brewing is, is I, I love sharing beer with folks and um you know and, and we we hope our beers find people and in, in moments to to share and, and enjoy each other and each other's company and enjoy you know a beer with a friend or over a great meal and um, so when we certainly think about those seasonal releases and, um, we're, we're, we've got that in mind. Um, it's, it's so much of what we, what we believe in and, um, you know, the, the way we do our restaurants and the food and, um, and how we pair the beer up there. And, you know, it's, it's an experience for us and we want people to have this great experience while eating and drinking. Um, it's exactly why I signed on to work for Roadhouse. It was like, wow, like you know, this is awesome because I love, I love eating. I love drinking beer and yeah. you put them together. It's just amazing. 
Well, I don't ski and I don't fish, but I do enjoy eating and drinking. And so uh, I am adding uh, Roadhouse to my post pandemic travel plans because uh, it's a part of the country that I still haven't visited yet. I've never actually been to Idaho. So um, that's uh, that's on my on my one of my the few remaining states that I have to tick off. So um, hopefully we'll be able to grab drinks when things get better again. I'm looking forward to it. We can uh, we can we can knock off Wyoming and Idaho or Idaho quickly as uh, as you get back out to Wyoming and and I look forward to to sharing a pint for sure. Max, thanks for taking the time and being on the show today. I really appreciate it. John, my pleasure. It was a lot of fun to talk and uh, stay safe out there and look forward to sharing that pint and having a snack someday. My thanks again to Max for taking the time for his insight and for getting me thirsty. I got to add his brewery to the list of places I'm going to visit after I get two shots in the arm. What about you? Where do you want to go? Tell me about it. I'm on email at John Hall, it's J-O-H-N-H-O-L-L at BeerEdge.com, or you can join the conversation on Twitter at John underscore Hall. And be sure to check out BeerEdge.com for articles, to subscribe to the newsletter, and to get episodes of the Beer Edge podcast with Andy Crouch. We're also on social media at The Beer Edge. And as I mentioned earlier, we've expanded our This Week in Roush Beer offerings. Not only do we have the Facebook group, you can search This Week in Roush Beer, but we also now have Twitter and Instagram accounts. Get smoky with us at TW Roush Beer. And if you're interested in advertising, we have surprisingly affordable rates and would love to tell you more. Please reach out to Liz Melby. She's on email at liz at beeredge.com. And speaking of advertising, we are very grateful for this episode's sponsors. Do you have the right message in place to make your brewery stand out in a crowded field? Are you executing with trusted partners who know the beer industry? Are you receiving the right counsel? Bolide Communications is a creative and strategic marketing consultancy with decades of experience working with some of the biggest names in beer and consumer products. Bolide Communications offers a wide range of marketing services to satisfied customers, including positioning, sales collateral, and POS, branding, website design, public relations, and social media. Talk with Bolide Communications today on how they can get your brewery and beer to stand out to audiences that matter. Visit them online at bolidecommunications.com or call 973-975-3037. You already make great beer. Let Bolide Communications help with the rest. As promised, Jack Hendler of Jack's Abbey in Massachusetts is back with us, and the brewery is a sponsor of this episode, and I'm thankful for that. And we're talking about the brewery's new Loggers of the World series, which kicks off this month with the Brazilian lager. Jack, where'd the idea for this program come from, and can you tell us what's in the pipeline for the rest of the year? Well, I don't know about you, John, but one of my favorite things to do when it's not a pandemic is traveling, traveling around the world. So... In a world where we can't travel and we don't have those opportunities, we're really hoping to bring a little bit of the outside world back to Massachusetts. Our first partner is from Brazil, Buriavos, uh, and that beer has already uh, already been packaged. But we have two more partners that we're working with for our next two releases, one brewery from Australia, another brewery from Japan. And we'll also be working on a fourth collaboration for the end of the year with another partner from around the world. So this whole idea of this cultural communication, while we can't actually visit or travel, 
is the whole idea behind this partnership. That's great. And thanks, Jack. And be sure to go pick up the Brazil edition made with Brewery Avos, which is now available. And it's part of the Loggers of the World series by Jack's Abbey. And you can find that where Jack's Abbey's beers are found. And be on the lookout for the rest of the series throughout 2021. And visit jacksabbey.com to read more about this program, as well as all of their other loggers. Nate Schrober does the music, Jeff Quinn designed the logo, and remember to defend Pilsner. I'm John Hall. New episodes of this show release every Wednesday, and that's when I'll be back again to drink beer and to think beer.